You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I want to share a praise. I don't know if I can communicate the praise, because, but I'll do the best I can. We, we've been starting to have a prayer room before services and uh, you know at least uh, 15 we probably need to move up to close to 30 minutes we've been having prayer room before service and we had prayer room before services uh, tonight and as as we were praying it was just neat because as when I knelt down to pray and we were in there praying together my mind went back to when I first got saved and at the church that I went to every year we'd have a jubilee like a big camp meeting and it wasn't just like revival in the evening it was like we would have preachers from all over and we'd have preachers in the morning and in the evening. It was just a great thing like for a week. Um, and uh, But I can remember those prayer rooms, man. You'd get in there with just these preachers. We'd pack in there. Uh, you couldn't even kneel down and we'd just stand and pray. And I can just remember uh, how excited I was, uh, you know, just in there praying. And it was just like, man, this is so awesome. I'm a new Christian and it was just so exciting to me. But my mind went back to that as I was in there praying. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, who would have thought, and I never would have thought, that I would be praying in a prayer room like that of, in this situation, you know, being the pastor of this church. Uh, and I don't know, it's just, I, I said I wouldn't be able to communicate it well, but uh, what's in my heart, but it's just such a blessing. We are looking at the armor of God. We are in and we are in, uh, involved in spiritual warfare. Uh, I believe everybody to some extent is. I think there's many. The Bible talks about how that some are held captive uh, by Satan. Uh, there's many unsaved people that are in shackles, and uh, we'll refer to that in just a moment. Uh, that's why we need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. We need to go. Now, there's different ways to preach the armor of God. I really like the way Michael preached it uh, when he preached it uh, some months ago. It was really a blessing. Uh, I'm kind of going, going about it a little bit different way. See that message. I'm pretty sure it's probably still on the podcast, so be sure and check that out. Uh, but I'm going about it a little bit differently uh, in this uh, series. But uh, if you would, uh, we'll start once again with verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I'm glad the Lord doesn't tell us to be strong. I mean, like on our own. But to be strong in the Lord. Amen? Uh, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles, the tricks, the uh, deceit, his his devices, uh, the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. How would you describe verse 12? What is he describing there, I should say, in verse 12? How would you, if someone asked you, what does verse 12, what's that referring to? What would be the best way you could describe that? Spiritual warfare. Uh, Absolutely. What's that? The unseen world. That's that's right. And uh, even more specific, in, yeah, the ranks. I mean, and so these are all correct answers. You know, spiritual warfare, unseen world, the ranks. But literally, he's going down and listing the uh, the ranks, the, the the levels of this demonic uh, organized force uh, against us. So he says in verse thirteen, wherefore. 
Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Last week we preached about protection for what we sow. Your loins girt about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, protection for what we show. That's one of the things that really stood out about a Roman soldier was their, uh, their magnificent breastplates. But we have the breastplate of righteousness. And then tonight we're going to look at verse 15 uh, as well as verse 16. Uh, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench... Some of the fiery darts of the wicked. I didn't read that correctly, did I? Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Those fiery darts are, uh, it's, a, it's a reference to arrows. And uh, if, if, you know, if you've uh, seen images of especially some of the medieval uh, battles or going back to some of that, you can imagine these flaming arrows that are coming in. Uh, but then a modern, a modern twist on that uh, for any people that have uh, followed any of the, the Avengers, it reminds me of Hawkeye. Uh, Hawkeye, this dude, he just pulls out arrows and he's just like, whatever, you know, it's like he'll pull this one out and he'll blow somebody up. He'll pull this one out and it'll like have a grappling thing on it. Just, you know, uh, and uh, nerd alert, right? Um, but he's, 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 he's got, uh, he's got all kinds of different things in his quiver and it's like, wow, that's cool. Uh, but Satan's the same way. Satan doesn't just hurl the same darts at everybody. Man, he's just hurling out these darts and uh, he knows he's been at it for a long time and he's very experienced and he knows what darts to shoot at us. Uh, and so the, the shield of faith will protect us from that. Uh, but let's go uh, back quickly uh, uh, this evening to the preparation of the gospel of peace, man. This is... Uh, this is kind of the, the, the peace uh, part of our, the, the liberating part, if you will. Part of uh, soldiers is, in, in our case, is liberation. And I'm glad for, uh, you know, wars that have been fought for righteous causes, there's usually someone that you're liberating, uh, truly trying to liberate. And we have a, uh, a, a job and a responsibility and an opportunity to preach the gospel of peace. And so protection for where we go. We should be prepared to go. Millions of people uh, still uh, don't even have a text or two of Scripture in this world. Lost men and women everywhere are held in the iron grip of Satan and his host. Surely there's someone to whom we can go with the gospel. Man, I am so encouraged by the heart this church has for missions and the missionaries that we've been taking on uh, and the missions giving that's been coming in. And, uh, and we're going to uh, be, be getting more of this before you and, and everything with what the Lord's doing. Uh, but God's doing a work there. But man, you know what I want to see in addition to that? I want to see missionaries. And we've had a couple, we had a couple of young men this summer uh, surrender to the mission, surrender to preach, surrender to the mission field. And man, that, I, wouldn't that be great people going out of this church uh, to go to the mission field? But never forget, we don't ever want to get into this little trap of thinking that that's what it means to uh, you know, be a missionary. It's these people that come by that we take on financially. If Listen, somebody put it this way. You either are a missionary or you need a missionary. You either are a missionary or you need a missionary. Jesus said, I mean, the, the mission field is not... Uh, yes, the mission field is across the seas. Don't get me wrong. The, the mission field is across the states. 
Uh, but I want to tell you something. Mission Field's also across the street. Amen. It's, it's, it's on the job. It's everywhere. And I'm telling you, I'm glad that we've got a group of people in here that are trying to reach people because there are people that need to be reached. And so uh, for some people, we, it may not be God's will for us to go to Africa, but we can co-go to Africa by supporting the shoemakers that we just took on. You know, we can have a part in that uh, and we should have a part in that, but we also need to be trying to do, do our part to win people to the Lord here. Uh, oftentimes, it's interesting here. The Bible says, look at the third again in verse peace, verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I want to try to emphasize that just for the next few moments. The preparation of the gospel of peace. We can sometimes shrink back from Christian service because we're not prepared. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Prepared. We should make an effort to master Scripture and learn the skills of soul winning. Of sharing the truth, of reaching out. Uh, you know, we, we don't need to settle. How often have you perhaps heard a Christian say, maybe you've even said it yourself, to where you'll say, Oh, well, I'm just not a very good witness. I'm not very good at sharing my faith. Or, uh, you know, and we mentioned this last week as well, I just don't feel like I know enough of the Bible to share my faith. Uh, well, I believe if you're saved by the grace of God, you know enough. If you're truly saved, you know enough to talk to somebody about what it means to be saved. You can, get, you can get just a handful of verses together. One of the things I did when I got saved is I went and I memorized the gospel tract. That's what I did. I memorized the verses in the gospel tract especially. Uh, and then just the simple way to present the gospel. What was I doing? I was trying to learn. I could say, oh, I don't know how to do it. But I was like, well, I'm going to learn how to do it. Uh, and now, and, and that being said, I mentioned this last week as well, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, there's nothing wrong with running into people and not having answers to their questions. Don't try to make something up. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm not real sure about that. Because understand this. Sometimes... I'd, I'd dare say, most of the time, when people want to ask you these questions, they're really not interested in the answer to that question. They're deflecting. Yeah. They're trying to change the subject a little bit. Okay, you want to talk, well, what about this? And so they're trying to kind of reroute you. Uh, and sometimes it's good. So, well, uh, you know, because sometimes I will know the answer to their question. And I'll say, well, you know, that's not really as important right now. I can answer that in a moment. But right now, I just want to come back to my initial question. Do you know Christ? Have you accepted Him as your Savior? And so it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to the question. And it's also okay to say, uh, you know, we can discuss that another time. It's also okay to say, you know what, I'll study that and I'll try to get an answer for you. But the point that I'm trying to make is this. We may not know the answers, but I'm telling you, we should be learning answers. We don't just need to be satisfied with where we are, with what we know. Uh, and I'm, that, that goes for all of us. My pastor is a great example of that down in North Carolina. Uh, man, Dr. Ronnie Simpson, uh, he, does, he, he never uh, is, he's a, he's a very smart man. He knows so much about the Bible. I think he's got a couple different PhDs, but he does not stop. Uh, he continues to push himself, and he will to the day to, to where he cannot do it anymore. He's always wanting to learn more uh, because we can, all, we can always learn more. And so... The preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, sometimes people shrink from Christian service because they're not prepared. Uh, but the preparation of the gospel of peace. Jesus spent over three and a half years training 12 apostles. Uh, kind of cool. I heard a breakdown of that. He really was mentoring three. Uh, there, was, there was a closeness from 60. There was a large number of disciples. By the way, there weren't. it's not that there were 12 disciples. We often say that there were 12 disciples. But there were literally dozens of disciples, if not hundreds at certain times. But there were 12 apostles. 
Uh, that's, the, that's the distinction, the apostles, the, to the disciples. Uh, but the point is this. Uh, Jesus spent this time with these men. By the way, that's one of the reasons why I believe that that is still something. That's something that your church is still supposed to do. Uh, Paul uh, trained uh, the preachers and the men that were under him. But there was time spent in training. And by God's grace, that's something that is does fall on me as a pastor. But it doesn't just fall on the pastor. I believe it falls on everybody that's saved. Because not only should everybody that's saved be able to win someone else to the Lord, everyone, in, everybody in this church that's saved by God's grace ought to also be able to sit down and disciple someone else. Spend some time with somebody else. And, and even in discipleship, here's the thing about discipleship sometimes, you can learn a lot yourself. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but that ought to be every one of our goals. We ought to all want to win somebody to the Lord this year, and we ought to all want to find somebody we can disciple. Um, and too often it, it gets the idea that, you know, oh yeah, discipleship, yeah, we need a six-week class. Nothing wrong with a six-week class. Uh, but if that's the extent of discipleship, discipleship is supposed to be something. And, uh, and we talked about this before. How did Jesus disciple? Jesus didn't just go lock Himself away in some sanctuary somewhere and go over Scripture with His disciples. You know what He did? He went out around the countryside. He went out on the boat with them. Anybody got a boat? I'll go. Amen. And uh, listen, I mean, he, he, he ate with them. He, the, he walked the country with them. He spent time with them. That's, that's a lot of times what discipleship uh, is. It's, it's spending time. It's, it's not, you don't have to sit down in a stuffy classroom or nothing necessarily. Uh, but it's spending time talking about life, talking about how God's Word applies to our life, the preparation of the gospel of people. Peace. Jesus was preparing men. Paul was prepared. Uh, and then he began to prepare men. He had an entourage of young men. He was training to become evangelists, pastors, teachers, missionaries, church planners. A man does not become a craftsman overnight. A man does not become a craftsman overnight. He has to learn the secrets of the trade and he has to use the tool, the tools of the trade. We've got some craftsmen here with us tonight. And uh, you don't just, and there's so many guys in this church that are so talented and gifted in so many ways, but there's none of these guys that are gifted that just one day went up and was able to totally design something or frame a house or do whatever else it might be. There were some skills that had to be learned along the way. And too often as Christians, I don't know why I go back to this, but just a life lesson for me. I can remember when I, in my early years of high school, um, I, I took weight training one year, but I would usually just take classes that meant I didn't really have to go. Uh, don't model your lives after me in those ways. But, uh, but I can remember they were trying to encourage me. Kurt's back there like, I'd have got you in there. Uh, but, uh, but listen, here, but you know, what, you know what scared me about going to the weight room? I wasn't strong. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a big guy. I mean, I want to go to the weight room, you know? I mean, but now can you also see how that is kind of like, um, maybe you go to the weight room then, right? Anybody? Uh, but, but that's kind of my, my reasoning was, well, I'm not a very big, strong guy, so I don't want to, li I don't want to go lift weights because I'm going to be in there. You know, and it's like, well, dude, go lift some weights and you can uh, gain some strength. And look at me now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I promise you. Uh, I promise you. And especially in this church, man. I tell you what, these dudes. We got some big, strong dudes around here. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, but 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 the point I'm trying to make is this. Uh, you know, oh, I just don't know the Bible very well. Hey, hey, you should read your Bible. Oh, I just don't. I don't understand it that well. Well, I'll tell you this. The less you read it. You're not going to understand it more. Just like not lifting, it's, read it. 
And I'm telling you, Brother Keith Shoemaker is a blessing to me uh, the other night when he was up here talking because he was talking about ADD, ADHD, I don't know. But I'm telling you, I had, uh, I had issues and, and some, I still think sometimes I struggle with issues, but I definitely had issues in school. Man, I could not read. I, 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 I would read and have no clue what I just read. After I got saved, it was the same way, and I despised it. I mean, reading to me was, uh, I can't tell you how, uh, how intimidating that was, how, how I just had this big, I, I couldn't stand it. it was, uh, but one of the reasons why is I would read and get down to the end, and I had no clue. When I got saved, somebody said, you need to start reading your Bible. So you know what I started? And they said, whether you get it or not, read it, because God's going to help you. You now have the Holy Spirit of God inside. This is what one of, my, one of the people that helped disciple me told me. You have the Holy Spirit of God inside, and you don't have to get it all up here when you read it, but read it. And he said, and, and he said the Holy Spirit's going to grab some things as you read. And, and sure enough, I found that to be true because I would read the Bible, and then I would get down or somewhere in between, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I was reading just then, wasn't I? I mean, it's like I couldn't, my, my mind would never be there. And so the point I'm trying to make is this, but you just keep reading and you just keep reading and you try to learn and you don't give up. And so you don't become a craftsman overnight. A craftsman has to learn, he has to learn to read blue, blueprints, measure accurately, uh, and cut and join precisely. I, me- I, made, I measured a couple times today and they had to recut. But that don't mean I have to quit, amen. It just means I might ought to learn better, all right? Uh, so, but it's the same way. Somebody doesn't become a, a great Bible expositor overnight. Somebody doesn't master principles of hermeneutics and homiletics in a day. One does not grasp the scope of Scriptures in a week or two. Each of us need to serve an apprenticeship in God's school. Get into the Word of God. Learn the Word of God. Learn by doing. I mean, don't settle. I mean, you, you can know it. Uh, I appreciate the attitude of, uh, of my, preacher and, and my preacher and the teachers we had in Bible college because they'd always say, uh, you know, don't, just sit, don't, don't ever just sit there and try to be blown away by how much we know or how much we're teaching. Uh, I remember uh, one of them saying in particular, it may not sound like a Christian spirit, but he was just trying to encourage us. He said, you need to go study and try to outdo me. You know, that's what one of them said. Uh, now, it's not a competition, you understand. But what he was saying was, uh, I don't want you thinking, oh, man, I'm this great guy. He says, man, you can go study, and I want you to, you know, you can, find, you can dig, and you can uh, find some great things out. And so uh, our, our feet prepared with the, the, uh, the gospel of peace, the preparation of the gospel of peace. We must be prepared to go. Now, here's the question. Where, what must you and I be prepared to go? Anywhere. That's the question. Somebody said anywhere. Somebody said wherever. Prepared to go anywhere. Lord, my life is yours. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go. Where, I'll, I'll say what you want me to say. If, what, if God, what if God tonight was to call you? What if God tonight, like Brother Scotty, what if God tonight was to call you to go into full-time ministry for Craftsman for Christ? What if God was to call you to go, uh, go learn from Brother Shoemaker and go over to Africa and be a missionary there or, uh, or something like that? What if God were to call you in that way? He said, well, I would go here, but I wouldn't go there. It's a good way to check your heart because you ought to be willing to go anywhere and everywhere God wants you to go. And if you would not be willing tonight, if God told you tonight that's what He wanted to do with your life, if you have reservations... That's a good indicator that you're not fully surrendered to the Lord. 
You're not fully trusting the Lord. Now, that's not an indictment. I'm not trying to jump on anybody. But it's a good thing. You know what's a better place to be? Surrendered. Amen? And just to be willing to say, okay, Lord, uh, I would be willing to go. Or, Lord, I'm not willing to go. Help me to be willing to go. Work on my heart. I want to get to the place to where I would be willing to uh, leave my leave my uh, place where I grew up, leave my job, leave my uh, my extended family, and go wherever you'd want me to go. Uh, and so we must be prepared to go wherever God sends us, at home or abroad. He he he's, he sends us to our family. He sends us to our neighbors and friends. He may send us to some uh, you know high profile type of thing. He may send us to something behind the scenes. He may send us to do something delightful. He may send us to do something dangerous. But wherever God sends us, we must go with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So when we put on the armor of God, we need not forget to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is that? Sharing the good news. Amen? And aren't you glad that God has declared peace to the world and not, uh, and not war with, with the souls of men? He wants people to be saved, doesn't He? And I'm glad that we can go to people and declare peace, that they can have peace, that they are enmity with God, and that their sins have separated them from God. But the good news is that Jesus has paid the price for that. The good news is that Jesus put with only two pieces with only two pieces of wood and three nails, Jesus built a bridge. Amen. Uh, and, and, and between the gulf that separated God and man and he made the way. We've got good news for this world. And man, I tell you what, the, the good news ought to be upon our lips. The good news that our feet shot. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet. Are there some people with some beautiful feet in here tonight? Amen. I'm glad Jennifer's are. Uh, but it, they, it doesn't have to be literally. And it's not talking about a literal sense. But it's just saying... It's just saying that there's a blessing to those that are willing to go. And for those that hear the news, they say, man, what beautiful feet that they were willing to come to where we are. Be willing. Be willing to go. Pray for God to give you opportunities. As we go out, we need to have our loins girt about with truth. We need uh, to... Uh, have uh, the, the, the breastplate of righteousness. And we need to have the, the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to have a word for people. We need to have something we can tell people from the Word of God. And, man, and you know one of the things about that? We ought to be able to represent our Lord. We ought to represent our country, our heavenly country. The Bible says we're citizens of heaven. We ought to be able to do that in a, in a good way. Amen? In other words, man, we ought to have a little bit of joy about us. We ought to have a little something different about us. We have tough days. We have hard days. We have bad times. We have burdens. Don't misunderstand me. But man, well, there ought to be something different about the child of God. And people ought to be willing to say, hey, what is it with you? And you can just say, man, I'll tell you one thing. The Lord's good. Amen? And, and, and we ought to be able to, to, to keep things to, uh, in perspective through the Word of God. And that kind of goes into the next uh, verse here and uh, share some, some thoughts with you. Above all, the shield of faith. Above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All right, protection from what we do in verse 16. Now, th these shields of the Roman soldiers would have been a very common sight in Paul's day. These shields were made so that a row of soldiers could lock shield to shield, forming a wall of iron. Such a wall would be difficult, if not impossible, for an arrow to penetrate. 
Each individual shield was big enough to cover the soldier's whole body. Darts and arrows hurled at the soldiers, hit the shield, and fell harmlessly to the ground. Now, I'm not going to make a big emphasis on this, although perhaps I should. I mentioned this as we were in closing last week. But folks, man, it, th- there's something about this shield of faith. If they lock together, let me tell you something. We need to understand something. We're not in this battle alone. You are not in this battle alone. I'm telling you, the Bible talks about how that we need to uh, confess our faults one to another. That doesn't mean that we have to confess our sins to each other, but it does mean it does mean this. It does mean that we need to learn to be open. We need to learn to be a little vulnerable with someone. Maybe not with everyone, but we need to by the grace of God. You've got to understand something. The devil loves secrets. The devil loves these things that that are in our lives that we have kept hidden. You listen to young people? Listen to old people? Secrets. I'm telling you, he can build build strongholds behind secrets. And I'm telling you, I I appreciate the culture here. I appreciate the attitude. I appreciate that one of the norms of our church is being able to be open and transparent. You're able to be so open and transparent here. Sometimes people are so open and transparent, you're just like, okay, that could have gone to more of a private setting. But, uh, but I'm glad that people feel okay being transparent. Man, what is wrong with, I mean, I'm talking about Bible preaching churches and Christians to where people got to come in. And, and, and it starts within the pulpit. I'm the Superman. I'm the preacher. Preacher, you ever have troubles? Nope. You ever discouraged? Oh, no, man, I'm always joyous. Ever have temptation? Not in 20 years. Why? And these preachers, they do that. I have been taught that. Oh, you, you don't need to let people know your weaknesses. You don't need to let, you, you need to be this, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever, dude. I'm not going to be some uh, phony, you know. I, I'm going to be real. And you know what? We just need to be real. We need to be, say, we need to be willing to say, man, I'm having a tough time. I'm having a terrible time. And, 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 and that helps us to lock our shields together. You're not in this battle alone. Whatever temptations you may have given into, whatever you have done, whatever it is from your past, there's somebody you can come to. And, and I'm telling you, there is some discretion. The Bible talks about discretion. Uh, for, those of, for those of us that are more that can just blab and run our mouths a lot, it, we don't have to tell everybody everything, but it is good to have somebody that we can confide in. It helps break down the walls. Uh, it's good to be able to have somebody to say, hey, I'm struggling with something. It's good, young people. Let me tell you something. And it goes to old people. I don't know why we talk to young people all the time because it goes to young people, but it goes to old people, some of the same things. Sometimes you can get trapped. You, you, you go into a temptation... You get an app on your phone uh, and you go into this app and then you get another app on your phone and it begins to take you into worse and worse places. You go into social media and before you know it, you're doing things and looking at things that you never really even intended to do in the first place. And you are so ashamed. You're so ashamed. And that's good that you're ashamed. But now you're kind of too ashamed to tell anybody. Go to a friend. Go to somebody you can trust. Uh, go to, go, I mean, listen. Uh, your mom and dad love you. There's people in this church that love you. There's youth leaders that love you. Yes. Hey, I need to talk to you. Amen. 
I've kind of got involved in something. I've, I've, I've started, my, my, my thoughts are going somewhere. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, it's such a scourge today. I'm beginning to look, people that look at pornography. Yes. I mean, the numbers of this are ridiculous. Amen. You know what, guys? It's okay to find another guy and say, man, pray for me. I'm really struggling with this. Right. You know, it reminds me of a, 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 a close friend of mine that, that his, uh, he, he talked about his son and they was doing YouTube, YouTube videos and stuff. Uh, he was like putting together. It was like a, just a cool little thing, harmless, that he was doing. But one day he was working on there on YouTube and it, uh, there he said something popped up along the lines of, uh, would you like to see a naked woman? Men, what's your answer to that question? Okay, uh, yeah, the, the, the correct answer is my wife. Uh, <coughs> and, but, but the point is this, yeah, right? But now that doesn't mean we do because that's, that's the old nature. But, so, I, but I thought about that. That was the question that come up. Would you like to see a naked woman? Well, yeah, but you've got to say by God's grace, uh, however. And by the way, uh, if... Listen, I mean, you know, you know something, young people? Uh, there's a good chance if, if you're not yet married, uh, you're going to get married one day. And guess what? I've got really good news for you. It is God's will for you to see a naked woman. Yes. Yes. Why do you want to see a naked woman? Because God's put a desire in your heart for a woman and girls for a man. Hallelujah. That's a blessing. It's wonderful. It's great. It really is. But you need to say now, not now. That's right. Yes, I do, yes. but not now. Amen. Not now. Um, and by the way, this is a whole other message. <laughs> but I'll throw this in here. Uh, listen, husbands, wives, the Bible says clearly. You, you know the Bible says, I'll say this. The Bible says when you withhold yourself from your mate, the Bible says you're defrauding them. And so, now, men, women, you are accountable for yourself. And you can't say, well, things aren't great in our marriage right now, so I've got to go look at these pictures uh, or these images or these videos or whatever. You can't use that as, as an excuse that's a justifiable excuse. But I'm going to tell you something. As a husband, as a wife, withholding, you can help push your uh, loved one in that direction. All right, so that's a whole other message, but you can read it right in the Bible, amen, and preach it right out of the Bible. I'll let you know when I'm doing it. I'm sure you'll be back, uh, and my wife will not be feeling good that night, amen. But anyway, uh, just because it's you know kind of awkward, she, she's married to the guy that's up here talking about this stuff right now. So, um, but, but my point is this. What is my point? It's not in my notes. It's, I've got to get it, but it is. It, it's a part of the message, and that's this. We've got to be open. Got to be open. Pray for me. And, 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 and we need to be willing with things we struggle with to be willing to say, uh, you know what, Derek? You can hold me accountable. Amen. Hey, bud, how's it going with this? Uh, good or, well, not so great. Uh, Derek, here, man, you want, you want to check my phone out? Can I see yours? <coughs> see your history? That's good. Uh, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? That, that we're helping one another. And I'm, talk, talk, I'm talking about agree, not, not agreeing. I'm not just going to go randomly do that. Uh, but that you agree... <laughs> Uh, to do something like that. But, but, but my point is this. We need to be open. The, 
I guess I, I said I wasn't going to say much about the shields locking. I'm talking about shields locking. Now I'm talking about temp- I'm talking about sensual temptation, but there's other sins. There's other there, there's there's mental battles we face. There's uh, there's bitterness that we deal with. There's thoughts that comes into our mind. There's so many different battles that we face. There's financial troubles that we face, and it's it's so often. Listen, 100 percent of the battles in the mind. Amen. 100%. Now. It may come via the body, but it's still going to be what, what you think about that. How you process what you're dealing with right now. Um, so it's in the mind. And, so, uh, and, and believe me, when I say it's in the mind, I'm not saying it's just all in your head. Uh, I'm saying that's a very powerful thing. Um, so that's the, the, the battle that we face. And so together, my point is, lock shields with somebody. This church is a, this church is a shield-locking church. Amen. If you've ever seen, if you, you to see uh, the to, to see these Roman soldiers in action would have been so impressive. And I mentioned this last week, but man, they're going against these 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 hordes coming against them, uh, hordes coming against them, and they would lock these shields. They would be so disciplined, and this and it would literally be a wall of iron that was impenetrable that could not be broken through. I'm glad for a church that's willing to lock shields. Amen. Hey, get your shield up here and lock up. Amen. Don't try to be Mr. and Sister Super Saint all the time. Amen. Uh, I mean, listen, and, and there's nothing wrong with being a victorious Christian. But still, we know, hey, by God's grace, I'm overcoming these things. And hey, I'm right here with you. Okay. Uh, so, uh, the, the, these shields lock together. Now, the wicked one uh, is, is, is the force. The, the wicked one, Satan, he's the one. Uh, that's the idea. He's the one that throws these fiery darts. He's been studying human nature ever since man was created. Satan helped forge fallen human nature. He's a master psychologist. One person he assails with the lust of the flesh. He has a whole arsenal of darts that can set the senses aflame. Another person he assails with the lust of the eyes. Someone else with the pride of life. The lust of appetite. Uh, the love of applause, the lure of ambition are among the host of darts that Satan uses to kindle fierce fires in our souls. He knows our weaknesses and he knows our strengths. He sends his legions of evil spirits to titillate our senses and flame our desires uh, and our corrupt souls to weaken our wills, deceive our minds, deaden our consciences, and distort God's truth. Satan has a thousand wiles and he never gives up. If you successfully resist him now, he will come again later. Perhaps he will tempt you with something in a book or on television. Be careful. I'm telling you, they're just trying to access the mind. A clever remark by a teacher. Perhaps you will arouse a sleeping lust or put an, an utterly lewd thought or corrupt thought in your mind. Perhaps he will entice you with a brilliant, seemingly flawless philosophy. He will never be out of range of fiery darts, but they can be quenched and rendered harmless by the shield of faith. Take the shield of faith, folks. He's shooting for you. He's shooting for your mind. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We talked about it. I, I preached, uh, I mean... I pretty much belabored the point last week. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. We get in the Word. We learn the Word. And that's where our faith is increased. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Satan's fiery darts cannot penetrate the shield of determined, living, dynamic faith in God. That's why Satan designed the original temptation in the Garden of Eden. And I want to close by just giving you these principles because you can watch for this. And when I say I close, I prepare you. It's going to take me a minute or two to close. A minute or two to close. But just bear with me, alright? Gasp, okay. Sigh. Here we go. But you can watch for this. Because when Satan designed the original temptation of the garden to persuade our first parents, Adam and Eve, that God was not to be trusted, here's what he did. He questioned. You know, we know he questioned. He put, where God put a period, he put a question mark. But listen to what he questioned. He questioned the goodness of God. Listen up. Because these are the same things we still face today. It's the same playbook. He questioned the goodness of God. Yeah, it's God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. I mean, you mean God's put these limitations on you? What kind of God puts limitations on you? Kids, what kind of parents put limitations on you? What kind of laws put limitations on us? Why can't I just go as fast as I want to? But you know what? You can't go as fast as you want to, but you'll pay the consequences if you are uh, caught. But, but, but the point is this. Satan questioned the goodness of God. Not only that, but the government of God. That's the second thing. You shall not surely die. So here's what he questions. The goodness of God. In other words, why would this good God put limitations on you? It's like the, 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 the dog that has no sense that... that that, that wants so bad to get away from the house, but the, but the stupid little thing is just going to end up getting hit by a car or lost and eat by a coyote or something. Uh, in my dog's case, he might get eat, killed and eaten by a cat. Uh, so we put restrictions on him, okay? Uh, but he, they question the goodness of God, the government of God. You, you should not surely die. I remember years ago, a friend of mine, a young man that had gotten saved in our church, and I remember he came to me, he got hanging out with some of his buddies. By the way, this is always directed to the young people, but let me tell you old people the same thing. You are right now, or you soon will be who you hang around. Now, I am not speaking uh, two, different th- two different messages here when I say that we need to get among the world and reach the world and, and be- befriend the world and-, and show them how much we care, eat with them, reach them, do everything we can. But here's the thing. We've got to draw the line when it comes to the point to where we begin to be dragged down. When we begin to be, uh, uh, you know, the, the-, the-, the separation thing really does mean something. Uh, so you've got to be careful sometimes about who you're around. He got hanging around his old buddies. And, uh, well, and one thing about his old buddies that they like to do is they like to drink. So this is an illustration I'm talking about. It started off good because he actually had them over and he was having them listening to preaching and showing them preaching videos and all these things. But he kept hanging around and kept hanging around. And pretty soon, uh, his buddies always drinking. Next thing you know, he, start, he, he drank. And it was on a Friday night. Saturday morning, he shows up for prayer and visitation or Bible study. I can't remember what we were doing that Saturday morning. He was tore up, man. Pastor, I'm so sorry. You know, and he was telling me that he that he fell into drinking. But I, one of the things about it was, he was he was really heartbroken over it for one thing. But for another thing, you know what? He was almost like he was looking for a, a lightning bolt to come out of heaven. He was so scared. Oh man, I can't believe I sinned against God, and now I know this judgment's coming. But as you probably well know, a lightning bolt didn't come from heaven because God doesn't always work like that. Amen? And so literally, kind of what he did was he thought, huh, 
Okay. Well, outside of feeling really raunchy, I guess I didn't really get in too much trouble. And so it made it easier next time. So in other words, he questioned. Because Satan says, number one, the limitations. Why would God limit him in the first place from indulging in alcohol? Number two, why would God, uh, if he does indulge in alcohol, but you see what I'm saying? It's like every temptation you can find this. He questions the goodness of God, the government of God. He questions the goals of God. And it kind of goes to the same thing, the goals of God. God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall become gods, knowing good and evil. Kind of go, kind of, so it kind of goes to the goodness of God thing, but it's the goals of God. Why, why is God keeping this from you anyway? Why, why is God keeping you back? Why is God keeping you back? Uh, so in the struggle in the Garden of Eden, Eve threw away the only weapon that she had, and that's the Word of God. The result, she was deceived, she lost her faith in God, and was pierced by Satan's fiery darts. Adam followed her into sin. His sin was more deliberate, downright obedience, but its root was the same unbelief. When he saw his beloved wife and her fallen condition, instead of trusting God to work out her salvation, he deliberately followed into her sin. He too questioned the goodness, government, and goals of God. Satan, in Matthew chapter number 4, Satan presents the same temptations to the Lord in the wilderness. And I'm telling you these because we face these. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, why would God not want me to indulge in this? Why would God? What what kind of God is that? And if I do, is it really that big of a deal? Thou shalt not surely die? And after all, God knows in the day that you eat there that you shall become as gods. God is selfish and He doesn't want to see you, you enjoy life. And so that's what he's telling Eve. That's what he tells all of us. So I'm telling you these little things because if you see this in the playbook, you can say, whoa, wait a second there. I need to adjust. Amen. I need to say, man, I have been thinking like that. But notice as I give these to you quickly, Satan presented the same temptations to the Lord. He, uh, he said that, uh, he told Jesus, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Matthew 4, 3. See, Jesus had been on a 40-day fast, so he was desperately hungry. Satan was suggesting that God, the Father, was withholding an entitlement from Jesus and that he should take the matter into his own hands and use the power inherent in his sonship to change his God-given circumstances. You You don't have to accept these circumstances that God has put you in. In other words, it's questioning the goodness of God. You can make these stones into bread. Satan was challenging the goodness of God. The second temptation followed the same pattern. Uh, Having taken the Lord to the pinnacle of the temple, he urged and he said, Cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. Matthew 4, 6. Satan tempted Jesus to question and, and he challenged the government of God. Satan was saying, Cast yourself down, you will not die. God will not let this happen to you. And so in other words, circumvent God's way and go your own way. You can do this without consequences. By the way, this is well noted. What was Satan using to give these temptations to the Lord? He is using the Word. Satan is saying, it is written. There's a lot of smiling dudes holding the Bible that can use the Word. Satan used the Word. But he did not use it rightly divided. He did not use it in context. 
Um, so then the third temptation, in keeping with the others, and, and, and I'm, I'm about done, in keeping with the others, he challenged the goals of God. Satan showed the Lord last of all the kingdoms of the world and offered them to him. And that's a whole other message when we talk about the last days and you know, you've heard me talk about it alluding to Satan having a certain measure of control over the nations of the world. He offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus didn't say, dude, you have no right to do that. Because he did. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole other message. Uh, uh, so Satan was slanderously insinuating that God was jealous to keep Jesus from the kingdoms that were rightfully his. Jesus will be given this world. But he was saying right now. Right now. You don't have to wait. You can do this right now. Now, he was tempting Jesus, so it was a no-go. Uh, I mean, Jesus, the Bible says there was no sin in him. I believe in the impeccability of Christ. But what did Jesus simply do? Fell back on the Word of God. Every time Jesus spoke up, and you know what he did? He put up the shield and said, As it is written. As it is written. As it is written. Amen. Amen. And, those, and, I'm, and here's the good news for you, child of God. God is telling us that the Bible says, what did it say again? We shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. When those darts come in, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, as it is written, as it is written, together we stand, as it is written. And I look at you and I say, as it is written, God has promised. We stand together, we lock our shields. As it is written, he simply fell back on the word of God, and and God demonstrated and demonstrated his unequivocal faith in God. Our faith in God should be so alive and robust that we never question the circumstances in which we find ourselves. That's easier to say than to do. But our faith should be so robust that we never sit around thinking that way. That, that we don't question the limitations that He's placed upon us. Or we don't question His right to dictate the terms of our lives. We never question the goodness of God. We never doubt His government. Because of faith, we shrink from sin because it offends Him and grieves His heart and inevitably brings into our lives consequences He says that it will. So we believe God. We believe in His goodness. We believe in His government. And we believe in His goals. And so, because, so, so when, sin, when that sin comes in, the, the, the shield of faith, we could say, there's pleasure in sin. That's what's drawn me for a season. Thus saith the Word of God. But God said, there's a soul in season. And man, I don't want that to come back on me. Alright, so it grieves His heart. By God's grace, we never question God's goals. If He has not brought us into the kingdom, we believe that one day He will. The place, the process, and the time are all in His purposes. Such faith effectively quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. Let's all stand. Um, you know, it's a good time to do some evaluation because you are in the war. Hey, take the whole armor of God. Have you gone out into the battle and forgot the shield of faith? The Bible says above all, take the shield of faith. Because there's a lot of things being hurled at us today. Amen? Hey, maybe you've been out there on your own. And maybe you're standing there and you feel all by yourself. Maybe there's some strongholds in your life. I want to tell you something. You really can be delivered from strongholds. God can help you through these things. Um, spiritual strongholds. He can help you. But I tell you, you've got to be willing you got to be willing 
to trust somebody. Trust the Lord, number one. Hey, let me ask you that question again about that about, about facing that temptation. As Miss Lily begins to play. Just, just think about it. When you feel like you begin to question, number one, the goodness of God. Yeah, why would God? Why would God put me in these circumstances? What's He doing? Or why would God not allow me to do this? Is it really so bad? God understands that I've got trouble with this sin. Surely He's okay if I just indulge in this sin. He knows that's a great weakness of mine. You know, whatever the case is, the the, the goodness, the government, the goals of God, why is the Lord not making things the way it should be in my life right now? Why? I don't know, but I know you can trust Him, amen? I know, listen, what do we know? We know God is too wise to make a mistake in your life. He's too wise to make a mistake in your life. He's too powerful to lose control in your life and he's too loving he's too loving to allow you to take on more than you can bear so to speak he's too loving he loves you i don't there's we don't know all the answers people we really don't i don't even we don't even know all the questions but we don't know all the answers but there's a few answers we can know that can help us right here in this book. Learn the principles of this book. Understand it applies to you. Memorize it. Listen to it. Read it. Find some good messages to listen to. Find some good songs to sing. Praise the Lord. Pray. Amen. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace.